We stand firm and unwavering when we say Black Lives Matter. Okay. So welcome. Welcome to the Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, I'm your host, VJR Nathan. Uh, with us today is co-host Scott Raven. Welcome, Scott. What up, VJ? Okay, he's just getting on the mic. One second. Greetings. Greetings, greetings. So we have a wonderful guest, um, Tichang. Tichang is a Tibetan singer, songwriter, and musician. He grew up in Dharamsala, India, and now lives in upstate New York. Um, welcome, Tichang. Oh, thank you for having me here. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Vijay. So, so um, yeah, so we're going to be talking a little bit about your musical journey, your journey in music, and uh, the cultural resonance of the music. So why don't we start the conversation off a little bit with your journey in music and tell us a little bit about your background and, and uh, you know, kind of your introduction to music and, uh, and a little bit about that. Yeah, we can start from there. Okay. Good morning, every, uh, every, everybody. Good morning, listeners. Uh, thanks for having me here, Vijay, and uh, Brooklyn Radio. Uh, uh, my background, I am a Tibetan musician, singer, uh, performer. I grew up in Dharamsala, and uh, my story is uh, one of the exile, you know, Tibetan refugees. Uh, my parents had to flee Tibet in 1959. They came through a, a small uh, kingdom those days, but now it's part of India, called Sikkim. And uh, that's where I was born on the border area. My mom and my families, they were all doing road constructions. You know, they were just newly arrived immigrants. They were basically uh, thought, they thought they will come out of Tibet for a few months. And then a few months went into years. And and then they, they came down to Dharamsala, India, where uh, His Holiness Dalai Lama and the exiled Tibetan government was established in 1960s. And then they... Um, there we had the monasteries, you know, reestablished and exile government and schools. And fortunately, there was a performing arts school also started. And uh, the, the, that's where I got my training. And this performing arts school was not real performing arts school, but it was a performing arts school where uh, the dancers and musicians and culture bearers were, uh, you know, trying to keep the spirit of, spirits of the Tibetans to not give up on their land, not give up on their spiritual practices, not give up on their freedom fighting, not give up on their music, dance. So we go around, we get trained to perform, you know, dramas and historical plays about old Tibet, our, you know, ancestral kind of uh, histories. Uh, to boost the morals of the all the refugee, Tibetan refugees. So we get to travel to Tibetan settlements all over India, performing and also evoking the emotion of, you know, uh, being strong and uh, being alive and not giving up. <clears throat> and uh, that's my kind of training. I studied uh, performing, performance, learning and music, dance, we were kind of all-rounded artists. We're not just musicians. We were like dancers, uh, actors, opera singers. And we were very living very close to His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, those days. You know, the school was like 30 minutes walk from His Holiness. And sometimes those days when His Holiness didn't have too much busy schedule, he would walk to our school and he comes to the kitchen and 
that's what our elders told us that you know he will pat on the, the chef and say hey how's going what's the food today and he would tell them like hey don't don't worry you know this is a rough time but one day things will change you know don't worry and these these elders and we grew up in the school we um had some kind of traditional trainings and operas and things like that so that's my kind of background uh, growing up in india and then i came to united states in 1980s uh, late 80s and then st- still continued with a group called chak sampa tibetan dance and opera company we started that in san francisco we did our share of performing in libraries and schools and museums and above all the tibetan freedom concerts you know where uh beastie boys and all the big rock yeah. musicians performed for tibet and uh, had a very wonderful sharing of tibetan culture tibetan human rights human rights in tibet freedom movement all of that and a lot of artists who are all blacklisted right now in chinese uh, what do you call the list they call it blacklist so anyone who's done things for tibet they are kind of blacklisted anyway so mm-hmm. i continue my music journey my focus is more traditional and classical tibetan music <clears throat> yeah we could also talk a little bit about you're going to be performing um june 4th i believe uh in new york city in Bro- in brooklyn right um yes. no, so new york city. Uh, new york city new york city okay thanks in manhattan right mm-hmm. um so tell us a little bit about the ensemble you're playing with the tibetan ensemble and how that uh, came together you have a few other musicians you're working with or yes yeah, tell us a bit uh, about that came- yeah, it came together because I was uh, in the last uh, several years ago, I had started a project called Tibet Preservation of Tibetan Music. And I was recording these classical Tibetan music and songs. Uh, and I did a fundraising and I did a campaign, crowdfunding. And it was very successful. I recorded over 40 uh, classical songs. <clears throat> and this led to us uh, meeting with the World Music Institute and who uh, generously or graciously uh, gave us the opportunity to perform this in New York City on June 4th, this uh, next Saturday or coming Saturday. And I will be joined by uh, five, five musicians. We had six, but the one from Canada, he couldn't come and make it because the mm-hmm. travel document didn't work out. But it will be six of us. And one of the musician, he's an elder musician, he was a direct student of a late Tibetan uh, classical music teacher called Gen Luzala. And then the other musicians are all kind of uh, graduate, uh, they were from the same school where I went. So some are coming from California, some are coming from, but uh, there are a few of them in New York City. And then uh, we will be six with our female dancer. Mm. And basically, we are going to perform a music that used to be. Uh, live and uh, you know uh, in Lhasa before 1959, 1930s, and and none of us in the group had lived in Lhasa and you know listened. Uh, but these music we were taught, and they were like very difficult music to hear and understand. But once that's the kind of nature of classical music when you live with it, it becomes more uh, joyful and it kind of gets into your you know musical life you know and uh, so we are performing these traditional music that are rarely performed in america and uh, in, uh, in a real proper setting we kind of when we perform normally we will mix it in a dance and you know like a whole dance repertoire and the music will be just five minutes but this time we're performing 
series of these songs and uh, dances and the instrumentations. And so um, this will be a first a treat to the New York uh, community. And of course, for Tibetans, it's part of preservation culture and mm. uh, remembering our old, old uh, life and musical life in Tibet you know, 19, before 1959. Fantastic. Now, whoa, uh, is, is there a rehearsal process leading up to this with these uh, other musicians? I'd like, love to hear a little bit about how you do collaborate with other uh, musicians. Um, if, and especially playing classical, is there any element of improvisation within um, yes, very, very uh, good question. Uh, it has been a challenge, a big challenge, mm. because some of the musicians have a day jobs in New York City, and we're going to be meeting up. Uh, I have been sending them the track, uh, the pieces that we've been playing. They have played it. Most most of them have played and learned these songs in when we were in India, but it has been out of touch for a long time. Some of them have families and this and that. So I have been sending them tracks, uh, what we are playing, and uh, instrumentations, who's playing what instruments and what song. And we have been, uh, 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 I am the, you know, the lead vocalist, so I, I'm mostly playing uh, Tibetan lute and singing. And rest of them are juggling between Hammer Delsimer and there are a couple of violin, Tibetan violin called Piwang, and then flute and instrumentation. Like So it's been a very tough, we have a solid two, three-day rehearsal, mm -hmm. and that's going to be in the evening, and we're going to just uh, trust in our <laughs> many years of in India learning these songs, and uh, we'll do our best. But mm. in terms of rehearsal, we really don't have the luxury to rehearse with everyone for, for a week or a few months or something like that. Yeah. So that's the reality of being in America, you know, land of free and no time. <laughs> and can you go over like I know there's some unique instruments uh, being played in the. Would you um, like to listen a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we can listen, and you can tell us a little bit about the instrument as you. Sure, sure. As you, so as let as me you play you one so one of the song one of the music from this uh, classical song. Yeah. Oh, 
Maybe that's good enough. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh-huh. And can you um, tell us a little bit about the instruments as well as the uh, a little bit of the lyrics? Give a sense of the lyrics in English. Yeah. yeah. So the instrumentations mainly vocal, and then we have the Tibetan lute, which, which we, we call it Damyen, and that lute is very similar to a lot of other Asian high, you know, Asian uh, like Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, different kinds of lute they have, but we have one that is. I think from the same family, and we do sing and dance with that, and that's the primary instrument. And then we have the flute, which you know, kind of universal. Then we have the little bell, and then we also have two, like a violin type. We call it piwan, and they are also like played in, you know, Vietnam and in China and all. We have two kinds: the one, the small one, and the one, the male and female. We call it piwan. You know, they're bow instrument. And then we have uh, the Hammerdahl Suma, we call it Yumang or Yangqin, which, you know, actually uh, was originally Persian, like any Hammerdahl Suma. And then then we uh, uh, have a, a, a flute, I said, yeah, and the bells. And then <clears throat> the songs in these classical songs, um, um, Talks, uh, there are a lot about metaphor, metaphor, use a lot of metaphors, you know, and for this particular piece that we just played uh, is is about, uh, in Tibet, when people climb mountain and stuff, they do some kind of prayers or burn incense or stuff like that to, to respect the mountain, you know, before they do something. But sometimes in the song, it says, it's okay if you forgot, you can, when you get up on top, just put a prayer flag and incense. And the metaphor is is like, you know, the second chance or there's always a, you can always make up, you know, your uh, whatever, if you can't make it, you know, in the you know, there's always second chance or something like that. Mm. And that's one. And then, then we have the songs about, uh, you know, um, a lot of the songs, not a lot, some of them are written by the sixth Dalai Lama. We have different Dalai Lamas, you know, right now, the 14th Dalai Lama. And there were Dalai Lamas that are not all like uh, majestic and holy. You know, there was one that was very poet and uh, not going through the ro- rules, you know, going in the bars and hanging out and not interested in the monastery life and king or whatever, the spiritual, you know, thing. He was a great poet and people still remember his lyrics. And some of the songs that I have are things about the lyrics that he wrote. And it's about, as I said, there's spiritual meanings and also just uh, normal meanings too, you know. And uh, so some of these songs we'll be playing. And then we have, a, after these pieces, there's a little dance that women dance. And in Tibet, traditionally, the, uh, the, the singers and dancers are mostly women, you know, women dancing. But mm. uh, right now, I'm doing most of the songs, music. Thank you. Yeah, we're starting to get into like teasing out the relationship between the songs and Buddhism, you know, Tibetan Buddhism, the cultural, like whether or not, like you were saying, I, when I understood, there's also the element of the cultural life as well mm-hmm. as the faith in or the kind of disciplines of meditation and, and the, the faith in Buddha. Very much so. Um, so like if you tease out, because also in, in Tibetan Buddhism, I understand there's many different schools. There's like Gelugpa, there's, um, and, and three other schools, um, I'm, not, I'm I'm more familiar with Glukpa, but um, tell us a little bit about that for the listeners to understand and how they relate and all this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the uh, I'm not a good person to talk about uh, the, the, the thing, but I know basics. You know, yeah, we have five five sects we call it Glukpa, as you said, 
uh, they are called yellow sect, and then Kagyu, Nyingma, some of them are uh, ancient, uh, all based on Buddhist, you know, the, the Buddha, Buddha's teaching. And Kagyu, Nyingma, and uh, Nyingma means the ancient one uh, that infuses, I think, uh, the native uh, pre-Buddhist kind of thing. And then we have Sakya, uh, and uh, 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 we have a burn, which is the ancient, uh, you know, traditional belief system, and Gilupa. And they all have their own uh, method of, you know, teaching and preserving uh, Buddha, Buddha's teaching. And they use different methods and uh, uh, chants and their, their uh, um, appearance are different. But ultimately, it's about becoming enlightened. And in the music, I should say that we have one song that I will be playing. There's a, a reference of Thanka, which is the spiritual painting in Tibet. And we call it, <clears throat> when you say beautiful, beautiful person, we say we make it a reference to a beautiful horse that can fly and beautiful person that is in Thanka because People that are written in tankas are enlightened or they're kind, you know, kind. And whereas the horse that are spiritual, uh, you know, in, you know, they are not normal, they can fly. So it's a reference of like kindness and, you know, a spiritual kind of a, a, a reference, you know, to for people to remind. So there is these songs that talks about, you know, the emphasis on, on kindness and uh, emphasis on respect and things like that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to get into, like, um, some of the things that, some more, more on the things that you personally take as being very helpful for yourself among, uh, you know, in the culture and the religion, um, something that really connects with you, that you were saying that this would be one example, I guess, of a teaching in general, but so also how you were able to, like, how it's able to help you kind of navigate um, like take it as personal advice or something like that. Something along those lines, yeah. Uh, can you say the last one? To personal what? advice, like and I was like, uh, personal advice or like, uh, like really take it to heart. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. There were uh, one of the uh, couple of pieces were uh, about Jitin Millerapa. You know, Millerapa is a very well-known saint. Uh, there's a song about his life. Yeah. And then there's also songs of inspiration, aspiration about in Tibet, like people who are meditating in the in the in solitude, they are respected a lot. People mm. kind of envy them. Mm. We have a dance song that talks about how you know they meditate three years, their hairs are half their hips. Six more years, they you know, and there's always kind of a reference and uh, uh, the uh, respect to these spiritual. Like people are not saying go there, but it's saying like it's just amazing, you know, a space for you know your own growth or you know practices and uh, there's always reference like that there's also spiritual female uh person uh, he, uh like a, a folk heroes whose life are also sung in the songs too mm. i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um i mean it seems you've you've traveled quite a bit and played in different regions how that might uh, differ place to place geographically playing, playing for um, different different regions, different countries, how, how the music is uh, taken in and if that affects it at all. Um, also, is there you know, a particular a favorite place or a place you enjoy um, performing as well? Well, 
we grew up in India and uh, we are always kind of fearful that people will be bored with traditional music. And I, I grew up like that, you know, I'm mm. always very sensitive. And I am, <clears throat> even though I didn't, <clears throat> uh, even the Tibetan community is not very, uh, what do you call, flexible, you know, attentive, you know, and that's kind of like an Asian kind of, in Asia, people are not very attentive. They just talk and, you know, when people are playing music and they're just like doing stuff. Mm. So. Whenever I perform these pieces, I just don't play all the way through like 40 minutes. I just play once or twice and then I play my own like composition. That's how I used to do it. And then after I did my <clears throat> project recording um, and I think it's time to present. Um, this is really first time ever in, in the whole like we're going to play the whole thing. You know, it's like a Indian classical music something. It's not going to be like all flashy and dancing and colorful. <laughs> And but that's how you know it like and so I am finally kind of performing this in New York City, uh, and it's a very uh, unique and uh, you know and and in terms of my own traveling and all of that, I, I kind of bring out elements of just a little bit of music from South, a little bit of Eastern Tibet, and the vocalizing vocal from Eastern Tibet is very powerful. And we have different styles of music. So I try to combine a little bit from everywhere instead of just focusing on Lhasa because we don't have that many musicians in the, in and around, you know, and, uh, and what I feel like is like in this given 40 minutes or something, I would like to present something that is kind of variety and just people get a sense of how the, the music's different in terms of instrument. Some plays instrument and they dance. And some in Eastern Tibet, they love to sing in the open air <clears throat> in the, in the, like, you know, the yak herders and nomads. They love free singing. And there's a lot of storytelling also, like in the nomadic culture, which I'm not very good, but there's like days of, you know, um, songs and storytellings. And, and then in Eastern Tibet, in Central Tibet, we have the Tibetan opera. So I do a little bit of when I do my concert and, where do I enjoy performing? Recently, I was in Africa, you know, uh, in Mali, mm. uh, in a festival where all musicians were African. I was the only in international. And I was so happy because uh, uh, everybody's doing music, you know, and and, uh, and sometimes just um, the Tibetan music, very different, but uh, it's just give me a kick to mm -hmm. play in front of uh, thousands of African you know, uh, music lovers, and they're always so enthusiastic, and I made a good connections there. So I would say that was fun. And then I, um, I like to, you know, perform uh, whenever there's some fans, you know, good fans, people that mm -hmm. know about my music, it always gives you that kind of confidence and happiness. And uh, other than that, uh, we, uh, I, you know, still have a lot of places to play. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to remind listeners that you'll be playing uh, June 4th at the Kaufman's Music Center. That's on 129th West 67th Street. Because recently I looked up World Music Institute, and that's why I got confused. But that's going to be at the Kaufman Music Center um, in Manhattan, uh, June 4th at 8 p.m. You can buy tickets uh, by going to, um, I guess, the Kaufman Music Center. Um, this, I'll probably post a link on uh, on uh, the, um, the uh, website. Um, on the, you know, you can follow, you can follow that. But anyway, we'll, we'll, you can always Google it as well. Tichang and the Tibetan, um, ensemble. Um, so now we were pulling up a couple of different threads that I wanted to follow up on. Um, 
So now, as far as uh, as a person like, because um, you were pulling up a little bit about kind of like um, the role of classical music in the larger scheme of music. So uh, tell us a little bit about like some of the influences you've had as a musician. Is there anything else, any other music, uh, whether it be Indian music or any other kind of music that has kind of influenced you or, or at least that you appreciate that kind of like maybe has had some impact on you on your personal songs, on your original songs? Yeah. Yes, definitely a lot. Uh, starting from Bollywood, you know, we Tibetans uh, uh, idolize Bollywood mm. <laughs> from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And, and and the radios are bombarding with all in, you know, Bollywood movie music. And we, my generation, we, we kind of sing, you know, I'm not the best one, but we can sing a lot of Indian songs, big influence. And then a little bit of Indian classical music. Um, not we didn't in school we didn't really learn about Indian classical or Western classical or anything. We were really focusing on our own <clears throat> music and anybody who's tried to do different things are uh, what do you call frown frown upon a frown how do you say you know frown frown upon oh yeah frown upon you know <clears throat> teachers don't like you know if you pick up guitar but personally I. The 80s, 90s, when the hippies came to India, brought a lot of rock and roll music on cassettes, and we listened to a lot of them. And I, I personally <clears throat> am right now learning a lot about a lot of other traditional music. I'm more into it more than, you know, just uh, Western music, but uh, more like um, African, you know, music and uh, Kowali and, you know, uh, Sufi music and Middle Eastern and all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> I'm very fascinated and I, I really feel there's so much connection in music and words that we sing. And especially when I travel <clears throat> in Asia or everywhere, somebody's always doing something, you know, to express or feel good or, you know, playing some instrument. And... Uh, in terms of, I'm always listening, you know, uh, even though I don't understand too too much about classical Western music and uh, other in music. And, and I would say that in my singing kind of thing, I have uh, definitely some influence of uh, Muhammad Rafi and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, other in Bollywood singers. And other than that, I try to stick to traditional style of singing you know, music. Yeah. And as in terms of you know other musicians, yeah, I love uh, you know all the rock and roll music yeah. and, and Pink Floyd's and uh, Rolling Stones and yeah. Beatles and all of that. Nowadays, less and less because I'm focusing focusing on more traditional, trying to pick up <clears throat> how traditional and contemporary kind of uh, fusion stuff and you know learning a little bit. But it gets very complicated in America. You know, you have a lot of people are very busy and you know you don't get to to interact or collaborate much, you know. Right. Uh, I guess um, in addition to collaboration, I'd love to hear that you know you're still learning new new uh, new styles and being influenced by new things. Uh, but have you worked at all within educating um, or with with youth getting into um, this style of music? Um, or is there a resource that young people can also maybe learn some of some of these instruments that you that you talk about? Um, definitely a very good point. Uh, I have taught a little bit at some universities, you know, uh, students, and I have some experience. I, when I start, <clears throat> first came from India to the United States, 
we were really trained to perform on stage and we were never like trained to teach. So it was very difficult for me to teach because we don't have a very good teaching methods. You know, it's a mm. lot based on oral methods and yeah. it takes a lot of time to, you know, teach stuff. And I had some experience in here, you know, some universities I taught. And then, and then as you were saying, yes, I, w- I made a children's album, you know, Tibetan children's album. That was part of language preservation. I made an album of Tibetan kids. And that those are things interest me now that I'm ready to really teach. But the, <clears throat> the culture of learning very fast is not traditional way. You know, it mm. takes a lot of time to teach properly. At the same time, I realized that, yeah, in a given short, like workshops or in a summer camp. So we did a one or two summer camps before too. To teach and uh, in terms of uh, I, I just feel that uh, I wanted to create some kind of again summer camps and uh, this, uh, uh, and maybe on online too but I haven't really figured I, I've been thinking about it I think it's a very good uh, way to you know teach uh, teach younger generation yeah right and I, I noticed, I, I guess you, you've collaborated with some other musicians and some other styles. Uh, I think I noticed Philip Glass was there a collaboration or um, even Patty, Patty Smith. Um, can you talk about different genre collaboration um, that you might have uh, encountered? <clears throat> we uh, we sh- shared stage, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. Philip Glass had uh, graciously... Uh, and his ensembles have played with traditional, like one of the classical music that I piece that I played uh, during their uh, Carnegie Hall event. Nice. Uh, Patty Smith, they, we shared the stage, but we have never collaborated. And I have personally collaborated with two uh, musicians: Kit Walker, who's a, a jazz musician, keyboardist, and then Miguel Fresconi, he's a contemporary kind of a musicians and so I have one or two albums with them. Uh, nothing really serious because traditional and uh, the, the, we, we have never, our brains were never taught to collaborate right. in the open. And, you know, uh, there's a little bit difficult. And I have not, even though my heart is open for collaboration, but my mind and my methods are all very traditional. So <laughs> it is very difficult. Uh, and maybe the... There is, I noticed that there is a simplicity, but there's all a complexity too in both worlds. So the, the simplicity is, of course, it's just the music, this and that. But in the Western music, there's like a, a lot of patterns and beats and this and that. And in traditional music, also, there's uh, the timings are not very accurate. And, you know, the melodies are kind of complex and things like that. So I am exploring and I play with when I play myself, I do kind of feel that there's a such thing as uh, um, what do you call uh, uh, open you know, you know um, improvisation mm-hmm. some kind of thing right. like that mm. yeah, I'm exploring it? that <laughs> but too little too late now <laughs> yeah it's interesting this kind of brings up the topic of like the preservation of culture as well as the um, growth of the culture where it's going like culturally we're, we're, we're getting a point in the world where there's there's inter, in dialogue between cultures and how to to what extent can we you know um, be influenced by and and move forward and 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 recognize that there's always gonna be intermingling of cultures. I understand what you're saying about like the structure of the the um, music is very you know it's, it's, it can't be so much like can't otherwise it, it loses its 
you know, authenticity yeah. is what you're saying, right? So in other words, like when it's too much in dialogue, then it loses its sense of identity. But it has yeah. there's a degree of that that can be in dialogue, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's got to be a mutual kind of a respect, mm. uh, patience, you know. Uh, it's not just like like this quick quick nothing yeah. get done, you know. Yeah. So why why don't we listen to another sample and then we can continue to talk about um you know your own practices in regards to um yeah we'll listen to another sample we'll go from there and then yeah okay so let's hear. Very nice, very nice, very beautiful. I think it's really great to um, think about um, like how the structure of the of the music as well is. Is it? Um, you know, you have like the repeating, or tell us a little bit more about the structure. Yeah, yeah. There's a repeating. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the lhasa, the the music that I'll be playing, the, we call it classical, and that is has a structure, very specific structure. Where you know there's an intro kind of instrumentation, and then there's a body of like the the verses or poetry reading a song, and then there's a then an instrumentation, and then there's a little bit piece of dancing. The, the movement changes like to mm-hmm. faster. One you just heard is one of them, and also I wanted to mention that you know in the West uh, the uh, the Tibetan spiritual you know world of Buddhism and all of this is very popular where everything they think Tibet is like all chanting and you know uh, praying and all you know but this is very much those Tibetans who are lay people you know ordinary mm. people that are making music and particularly that one piece was about talking about uh, uh, the the culture the dresses of the women in Shigatse there's a place called Shigatse it's another city in Lhasa next to Lhasa the women have a lot of ornamentations and just so the piece was talking about their dresses and you know headdresses and then we have songs about drink, traditional drinking. We have Tibetan beer drinking songs and, you know, uh, love songs and romantic and a lot of romantic songs, but all hidden, not like very yeah. straightforward, you know, in the, and uh, like that. So I <clears throat> just wanted to share that with you. And then in terms of structure, yes, there is structure. Not very difficult, <clears throat> but the notations are also not made for like easy listening. You know, it, it you, you have to listen to it. Uh, or learn it, you know, 
to in order to appreciate these. And uh, now we have generations that have kind of passed away, gone away, you know, these music people that have grown up with this music. And we are becoming the one that is carrying these traditions. And um, it, it music is something like that. I think it just, uh, if it meant to live, you will live, you know, bring joy. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I was so, I'm so fascinated by this whole, um, I don't know. I don't know. If it's called crazy wisdom, but this idea of like you know this mix between wisdom traditions and like as you were saying in a couple of the figures you mentioned on the and the kind of tr- non traditional approaches to wisdom. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about it. Um, the a couple of figures. A couple of figures. I think you mentioned was uh, now Millerapa. Millerapa was like a saying to Stang songs, but he wasn't. Uh, he was like, oh, well, his life is very complicated. Like, in the, he had like the original beginning of his life, and then he became enlightened and he sang songs. So he'd be like an exception to that, I think. I don't know. Tell us a little bit about, like, uh, you mentioned Milarapa, but, um, and also the other figures that, if you review a little bit of the other figures who are in that crazy wisdom tradition. Well, that part. Crazy wisdom that I don't know very well, very well. But yeah. in the Tibetan world, we have like these kind of terms, and yeah. we we respect these kind of things. But the uh, you know, I think the music in every culture is to bring joy and, and a connection to nature, and connection to uh, past, future, connection to you know right now, and then in the messages, uh, as I mentioned earlier. We have a respect song that is life of Milarepa, just about his where he is, and he was such a big figure in the Tibetan society that people, it's it's like, <clears throat> I think these individuals gives us a sense that you know uh, we don't have to follow the same mistakes again and again. You know, people can learn from other people's mistake. You know, in the past, yeah, and that's the spiritual kind of a guidance where. You know, we don't have to be egocentric, uh, going crazy all the time. You, you, you do, many people have done that, and it causes a lot of suffering. And so these kind of uh, uh, messages, and there's also, as I said, uh, Nangsa Rilbum, she's a female uh, he- uh, hero in Tibetan uh, world. She uh, was uh, very much uh, similar to Milarepa's story, a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulties. She wanted to pursue a spiritual life. And society, you know, families and everybody's giving hard time to her and this and that. And and she's uh, also somebody who remembers. So these are kind of like uh, stories that uh, uh, Tibetans cherish because in it, it directly doesn't say, hey, everything is suffering and this and that. But in the in the songs, it just in the melodies, you can feel and who's, you know, Nangsa who's Milarepa, and then you understand. And, and our brain is very slow <laughs> to learn. Uh, good to learn in techni- technology, iPhone and stuff like that, but learning real-life lesson is reputation many times, and people are not, uh, you know, uh, uh, easy, uh, good to learn these things. So that's why in the songs, you know, uh, uh, we, we have them, these stories, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, could you talk a little bit more, I guess, of... of- about your own spiritual practices um, and how that maybe um, plays into to your music, as well as you, you just started, you know, that discipline that you have in, in kind of learning these. Um, is there any other particular preparation you do before uh, before shows or, or leading up and how, how that type of discipline for you might might have developed? 
Uh, I grew up in Dharamsala and uh, my family, my parents, and they, just like any other traditional society, they're very strict in, you know, practices. Uh, we go to a lot of teachings of His Holiness, Dalai Lama and the Lamas and Tibetan life, in, if, it, if it is not changed, is very, very spiritual. There's so many kinds of practices and this and that, and, you know, uh, in, in terms of, and at the same time, we are faced with the reality of the world and where uh, you are always questioning, you know, like any other younger generation would, would have that, uh, uh, what do you call the, you know, uh, confusion of what is parents, you know, what you learned from parents and what you wanted to learn and all of that, that's, uh, you know, always have a difficulty. Mm -hmm. And I think the, for me personally, is just that <clears throat> uh, my responsibility uh, is uh, how to preserve these uh, traditional music and culture. Uh, with that comes this kind of spiritual ideas, uh, which I am not very good in, you know, guiding people, but there is a centuries of people practicing these and with through this music we can be a little bit calmer we can be a little bit more patient we can be a little bit more uh, uh, feeling other people's you know suffering you know not just all your uh, needs and your thing we, that that's how the in the tibetan world we even though it's easy said than done, you know, it's, but that that requires a lot of practices to understand other people's feelings stuff. And so the music, I, I really hope that what it does to me is that uh, just the music, you know, just the sound, listening and singing, and it, it never has this one particular meaning like this and that, but it just captures you in this, you know, the music world. And, uh, uh, uh in terms of practice and stuff, I, I don't have any. In the in the traditional society, we don't have much of rituals, you know. In practicing, we just pick up and just you know play and and think about learn the patterns and things like that. But in in a spiritual music, in the monasteries stuff, they have chantings and things like that, meditation stuff. Uh, I am into meditation of you know even Zoom meditation too. You know, like uh, <laughs> anything we do, it can be uh, kind of a spiritual practice and uh, uh that's about that's about all uh, i can say thank you good question though thank you yeah i guess we'll start to close up we have like 10 minutes left and we're gonna um but we have we have a little bit of kind of the end of time but uh, i just want to do a couple quick announcements for ready for brooklyn and uh remind listeners um that you're listening to ready for brooklyn's uh, truth to power show um Ready for Brooklyn is a mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us to stay on air and allows us to continue our work in the community. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at readyforbrooklyn.org. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to donate in a way that costs you nothing, Go to readyforbrooklyn.com slash Amazon and register Ready for Brooklyn as your Amazon small charity. Every time you shop, a portion of your purchase benefits are Ready for Brooklyn. If you're listening to Ready for Brooklyn when you're in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone or Android uh, to listen on the go. Available at the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. And finally, um, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter. 
for upcoming new uh, news about um, new programming and upcoming RFB events, you can sign up at RadioBooking.org slash newsletter. Okay. So um, one of the things I had, I had in mind is, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, in the in the press release from the World Music Institute, it talks a little bit about, um, you know, Tibetans have been singing and playing music as part of their lives since uh, time memorial. And uh, <laughs> one of the things is... Uh, the, the different, uh, the Ashley Lama opera, uh, the Gazer epic, the court music, laying love songs of Amdo, and for the special practices, um, you know, they, they spell out some of the, the different, um, um, you know, Gorma songs, throat singing as well was interesting, and Lama Mani storytelling. Can you just illuminate a little bit of that passage and like how it, because you mentioned a little bit about it, but if we can get into that and then we'll, we'll start to, you know. yeah, these, these, you know, the music and dance traditionally had a lot of indigenous kind of a traditional bimbo, you know, a- ancient style of mm. ritualistic things like that. And mm. then slowly, the, when Buddhism came into Tibetan life in the 6th, 7th century, everything became a little bit more creative. So like when you said, uh, what did you say in the beginning? Like Ajilhamu is a Tibetan opera. Yeah. And basically, it follows a Buddha's uh, Jataka tales, like stories that are from, uh, you know, from Buddha. And it's performed uh, like a whole day with characters and masks and singing. And then you say Kesar. Kesar is a very in- traditional Tibetan storytelling, which is epic story. And there, it's like good versus evil, and the king, you know, like, uh, and there are bards who read like these. These are also storyteller that they, they, it comes to them, and they sort of they're um, illiterate, but they can also you know read thousands of pages of stories. <clears throat> then there's Lama Mani, which is a uh, Mani means Omani uh, Padme Hum, which is the mantra, and they are the soul storytellers that go around and telling stories of music, singing. And also they tell stories of Buddha's life on a scroll, on Tanka. <clears throat> so that those are the kinds that, that are talking about it. And before you forget, I think we have the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, you want me to announce that or...? Yeah, how do you do that? I mean, yeah, the, you, you can announce it and whoever the caller you can choose. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I I, I, I didn't uh, realize. So we can... Um, we could also get a call in, uh, and we can ask. We ask them to. We want to give away tickets to the um, to the performance on June fourth. So I'll put on the phone, and then it's um, two one two. Um, can you look at what was the number again? It was uh, it's posted there. Seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. Once again, yeah, calling in. We got seven one eight. Six seven three eight two zero one. I'll repeat it after uh, you give me a little background. Yeah, so we're, we're having a caller call in if they'd like to gain tickets to the uh, to the um, to the performance, and then as well as um, ask a question or make a comment to the uh, to the guest. So we'll have to see if we can get any callers. Meanwhile, I can keep the conversation going. Uh, two and two six seven three eight two zero one. Otherwise, you can also you can also if we don't get any caller in because sometimes it's a little tough to get a call in, but we'll see uh, what happens. But um, you can also email us at truthtopowershow at gmail dot com, and I'll see if I have a, a couple of tickets um, for you. So yeah, yeah. So once again, you're performing at uh, Coffin Music Center, I believe it was. Um, 
uh, this Friday, this Saturday, um, June 4th, uh, doors open at 7.30, shows at 8 p.m. Um, so it's at 129 West 67th Street. Um, yeah, yeah, and then finally, um, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to at least dispense some tickets to the listeners if, uh, if we don't get a call in. But, um, so any final thoughts about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the future or where you're going or what, or what are there any other performances or where you like, what you like to see happen in the world, perhaps, um, how we can raise awareness, continue to raise awareness for twin culture and, and, and causes. Um, <clears throat> well, thank First of all, thanks for this radio. And I think there's, uh, too much information and too many issues. And, you know, right now with uh, wars and things like that, um, but I think that uh, everything starts from individuals, you know, each of us, uh, how our minds, mindset is, you know, how, how we can think better and how we can contribute and how we can be gentler to, you know, our, our friends and, you know, our families and things like that. That's all we, we think starts, you know, from. And uh, through music, I hope that... Uh, we can learn uh, different cultures and uh, ideas and things like that. And I just, uh, um, it's uh, been a pretty good ride for me, you know, performing many places, but uh, I'm not a regular, you know, touring. And stuff, but I hope to get some more gigs and performances mm. and share, share the culture, you know, in the future. Yeah, it's so important. The culture, I think, has so much to offer. And I think people, are, like, you know, ranging from, you know, meditation to chanting to mantras. And a lot of people understand mantra practice, they always say. And, you know, something that can be, the mantra practice especially can be, has been, uh, adapted to many different cultures, the, the chanting yeah. and the, and all this kind of thing. So it's something that's really influenced many people and helped many people. So returning to the roots of, uh, classical music, classical Tibetan music is, is also a, a beautiful chance to return to the roots of the culture and, and get a chance to listen to, some authentic um, musicians play that. So that's really great. Um, so we can end with um, listening to the last sample, and then we can just uh, we can start to roll, roll down. So Okay, so one more, please. Yeah. yeah.
thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So Sky, yeah. Sky, any final uh, thoughts or? No, I mean, I'd love for people to yeah continue to call in to to hear more of this music. We got seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. I want to thank you for coming in. I, I mean, I enjoyed listening to this uh, throughout and and you sharing your thoughts and particularly you know taking away that 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 um, you know this type of music and learning about this i mean it takes that that dedicated that practice where you know a lot of youth culture is looking for that instant gratification to something instantly for them to uh to to learn something and um you know i appreciate the kind of the craftsmanship and the, and the dedication you've shown towards this uh this music yeah thank you thank, thank you. you okay so um yeah, yeah so thank you uh we have we have like you know, we can, um, we can just, I'm trying to think of what, okay, yeah, so, yeah, so these are my list, this is Choose the Power Show, I'm ready for Brooklyn, um, you know, we have archives of various episodes uh, on the Choose the Power Show archive at rachelbrooklyn.org slash Choose the Power, um, so, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you so much, so we can just, um, yeah, if you have any final comments, and then. Uh, we can just direct listeners to the next show. Yeah. Well, I forgot to announce that we are doing this show in New York City, and then we will be traveling to Washington, D.C. on Sunday. And we have the Tibetan community there hosting uh, another concert. So that's the only two shows we have. So uh, the Washington, D.C. is going to be uh, in um, in Virginia, I think. And you can find information about that on my website, of course, teachung.com. T-E-C-H-U-N-G dot com. Okay. All right. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, let's just continue listening to Ready for Brooklyn. Um, and I'll, I'll play us out. Um, hang on. Let me pull up something. So maybe we can play out, but we'll just let the listeners listen a little bit to Bollywood as to to play us out, and then we'll just uh, we'll end now, okay? Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you.
सपने दिखाए तुम पास आए यू मुस्कुराए तुमने न जाने क्या सपने दिखाए अब तो मेरा दिल जागे न सोता है क्या करूँ हाय कुछ कुछ होता है क्या करूँ हाय कुछ कुछ करूँ हाय कुछ कुछ होता है 